0: Welcome to episode 104 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Bowman Strikes Again edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew, I'm the host, and I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's good, brother? Yeah, and Alex Bowman's already making money off of uh, Kyle Busch's latest uh, bitch fit uh, with another great t-shirt. Uh, so Alex Bowman, the only guy at Hendrick Motorsports that has a personality also is great at business. Um, And the person we have as our guest today is a friend of both of ours from different pages on Facebook and motorsports alike, Uh, a man who is familiar with Alex Bowman's exploits on the dirt track side of things, Uh, a dude with many nicknames. Uh, Googs is one that has has stuck around for a long time because his knowledge of motorsports is quite strong, kind of like mine uh, somebody that I've always said that if there was like a racing jeopardy, if I wanted to get a couple of teammates, I know one of the teammates I would have is this person right here. His name is Josh Bolden, a writer at Mount lawn speedway, Newcastle, Indiana. So that's pretty, uh, close by to a specific speedway that Tony Stewart's a fan of and chase Briscoe. Uh, thanks for coming on the GSP there, Josh. I know that, uh, writing and you know other and kind of like being at the track is your thing but uh the podcast thing is also available and we're glad you're on here the gsp for episode 104 so we'll we'll start with this so i guess kind of open it up to you and you're i mean you're from indiana you know you've always been a racing fan i know that open wheels and short track racing is your thing but what What started your passion for this sport, and like, why are you like, what brought you to your current um, opportunity as a writer there, and also all the writing kind of credits that you've had? You've been connected to a lot of different people and had some great opportunities over the years to cover your passion, uh, short track racing out in Indiana. And what was your initial passions? I would say, like, who are some of the drivers or teams that you know as you started out in your uh, as a fan that kind of made you love this sport? Because a, ba- a main part of why we all know each other through various pages because we have a passion for this deal and our origin stories, and we've had that, I think, with um, Joey Barnes when he came on. Other guys, Joe Passero, who's been on this year, talking the origins of what made us fans and why we love this sport and why Josh and I have this podcast. Um, now, two years, it's been basically um, it's because of this passion. And passion is like the word that if there's one word that p- describes me personally, drives my life. So what is where did that passion come from? It, was it Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Was it like Kinzer? Was it like... You know some somebody uh like i i mean there's so many great names over the many years you know it was like a.j foyd andretti all that i mean they were definitely much older by the time we um got into the sport but um who were some of those people that really got the the those uh the the juices flowing to go and be the fan and now the writer that you are today and i think another i mean you talked about anderson and you know, some of those great tracks that uh, Thunder, the Thunder series was still around. Uh, Tony Stewart was there, Kenny Irwin, um, No uh, amongst others, were in their youth at that point, And they were making a name on ESPN when ESPN actually cared about motorsports. You know, like that was what it was. You'd go, most of the time it'd be at IRP, but then they'd go to Anderson or they'd go to you know, uh, some of the other tracks in the state and it'd be, you'd have the Gary and Larry show and you'd have Dave to Spain, Dave to Spain, and you'd have him in the pits in his suit. I'm like, it's 95 degrees and you're wearing a suit and slacks. How do you do that? But then of course it doesn't really matter when you're Dave to Spain, I guess he doesn't sweat. He's like, uh, he's like the Chuck Norris of announcing, but, um, I mean, those are, those are like all the, like Chet Phillip and the likes, Jack, jack hewitt all these people those were that's where you saw the past and or the current the past and the present all or whatever like past and present the future really um in those times and you saw a lot of big names the Indianapolis Speedroom uh where they had the go-karts and like ESPN 2 showed go-kart racing back in the day and a certain uh woman uh that I don't really like to call her by her actual name uh made a name Uh, at that track amongst other people, Uh, you know, Mark Dismore's kids and other people like that. But it's a hotbed of racing. It always has been. It still is. It may be with certain series and how things have kind of gone on. And now with the pandemic, certain things have been affected. I guess that's a way to go and look at this. So at your Speedway that you get to cover um, this every year, um, what is the the turnout looked like in regards to car count and dry and all and in regards to um with the different restrictions or how if there were any restrictions and how that kind of opened up and how the fan turnout went along as we've gone on since you started at mount lawn yeah because i know that this uh what we've had to go through for the last couple of years and it's been different different states What I have here in New Jersey is different than what Josh has in Florida to what you have in Indiana. Uh, But in the end, it has been felt across not only the United States, but all over the world and how it's been managed and handled uh, has led to whatever is uh, the results that it's led to. I mean, racing is something that that's why this play, this show exists. I was going to have another friend of mine that I work with at my current job. How long I'll be at that current job is to be determined. Um, hopefully not as long as I need it to be because I'm not trying to get physically assaulted by psychopaths. Um, but anyway, re, re, regardless irregardless of that. I mean, he's a Formula One guy. I'm an all around motorsports guy. JB, you have an extensive knowledge of short track dirt and pavement racing. And Josh, my co-host has great NASCAR and IndyCar. And now we go over everything. I mean, IndyCar F1 uh, knowledge here. So it's just, I guess the thing is when, I mean, it's, I think being young, and uh, still loving the sport. And it's like things that have gone on, like even with NASCAR and how they've messed with a lot of things and you haven't lost that passion. So what continues to drive you and what are you looking to do or build towards um, as we go along here over the next, I guess, year or couple of years? It's like, everyone's like, what do you wanna, where do you wanna be when you're at this age kind of deal? I mean, the two is on here, I'm giving up a few years to both of y'all, so you got a lot more life to live than I do. And then, based on how I treat my liver, you definitely have a lot more life to live than I do. So, um, I guess in JB's case, um, what are you looking to do? Where where's the end game? Because I think there are some things opening up within the media realm. Uh, Especially on the short track side of things, depending on who's involved in it, there, there might be some more opportunities, you know, underground to, to get involved and really be in, um, in the mix with, you know, the USACs of the world, the world of Outlaws, the, um, the dirt uh, Dirk Carr, and I guess, uh, what do you call, all stars in the case of Tony Stewart, amongst other things. that's always a great thing, being open to those opportunities and keeping on grinding. It speaks, it's something that's close to my heart. That's always what I've done too. And I think that's where the connections are made. You know, we all kind of have that similar mindset and that's part of what is going to keep the sport going. You know, no matter what all these series are trying to do to get the lay fan, the fan that um, has short attention span you need to have the core and you need to build within that core and make it so you have the motivation to want to go and tell somebody and talk about it or be a, give them that information because in the end if you are excited about it then in some way shape or form you can make somebody else excited about it, or at least give it a thought if there's a big race you know like like at like the little 500, which is definitely interesting to me. It fascinates me. The fact is like Mav TV isn't really going to do the thing justice compared to what it really means. I mean, Tony did it like only a couple of years ago for the first time ever, whatever. Kenny Schrader did it at like, whatever he is. I mean, I think Ken Schrader is ageless. He's other than like Red Farmer. I think Ken Schrader is like, he'll he's gonna race until he's like 178 and he'll he'll still be fast but um, you know like that's the kind of thing like you fat but then there's great guys who have won this race multiple times same way as you think about the Indianapolis 500 or all these other great races. Um, I mean going and thinking about that but also flipping towards I guess the present and where we're going because we're gonna get into Vegas here uh, here in a few moments. Um, talking about some of the people that you've seen or you've been able to kind of pay attention to on the scene that are kind of in the midgets, sprint, ca- sprint cars that might be moving up, you know, the the likes of Buddy Kofoid, who um, had won the USAC midget championship last year and uh, had a great chili bowl this year. Uh, Kaylee Bryson who uh, is another person who who ended up uh, winning the B to go and get into the A main uh, at the Chili Bowl, one of only a few women that has ever made it, which is something you consider like Sarah Fisher was a pretty solid racer herself and um, never did that. But then she made the Knoxville Nationals A main uh, along with um, Aaron Crocker, I think. I might be wrong. You could correct me on that. I'm sure you know this because I think you, Josh knows like the entire lineups so of every Knoxville Nationals has ever happened really. Um, but the fact of the matter is those are two people that are connected uh, with Toyota in regards to the stock car deal. And of course now with 2311, they have a couple more opportunities and make extra teams if they buy out the likes of Rick Ware and uh, some of these other crappy teams like uh, Spire. But um you know, the the notion is those are two of the young drivers, and in a sense it's similar to what it was 20 years ago when uh, Newman was a rookie, uh, came from the USAC ranks. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's similar, but it's different compared to the way that Newman was brought up to go and build up to where he got to the Cup Series versus what uh, something like a Buddy Kofoid or um, Kaylee Bryson are dealing with. But i guess the other question i'd ask you other than you know what you think about those two drivers relative to what their prospects are open wheels to to go into pavement and stock cars but is it getting to a point now where that transition is almost more driven by either not just a manufacturer is the cash I mean, the I mean, cash has always been king in racing. You have to start with a big fortune in racing. You need to have, or have a small, make a small fortune in racing. You need to, have to start with a big one. Um, is it more about trying to direct your goals towards maybe not being in a midget or a sprint car, but trying to be in late models on on pavement or or late models on dirt? It, it, are are you seeing different things with some of the drivers you see at your track, or maybe? Ideas as to what they're looking for, what their goals may be over time. Is it similar to what we're seeing nationally in regards to what um, uh, some of these drivers are having to do there, Josh? Yeah, I think that's cool. You're talking about the age range and the the difference from really young to really old. It kind of brings up the whole thing with, like, Red Farmer racing his grandkids at Talladega Short Track. You know, it kind of goes to that. But it's also... Uh before Josh has one question here before we go and transition into a nascar thing i I wanted to um ask uh just uh the the classes you run what are the classes that run at your track before Josh finishes the kind of like interview portion of this deal before we kind of loosen up and get into the racing mm-hmm yeah, everyone thinks that. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't know if you're coming in there. I, uh, everyone thinks that the Daytona 500, or a lot of people that think about the 579 and all that, and Ken Squires' call. And but the point is, the race that existed for 20 years prior to that. Yeah, I mean that's something that we have to. Th- there has to be the constant progression in the sense that um, if we're not looking at, you know, what ha- what can make the sport better or what can make the racing better you're gonna stall and then you're kind of gonna be where we got to uh, here over the past uh i guess decade or so uh with the what amounted to the gen 5 and the gen 6 cars but it looks like things have been certain uh positives have been met in regards to uh the this current car and I mean, getting into that, we were at Vegas last week, a triple header at Las Vegas. The uh, Pennzoil 400 was the Cup Series race, and the winner was Alex Bowman, a guy that uh, runs a, has a, a wing sprint car and a midget team. He runs the Chili Bowl, and he had C.J. Leary running for him, who made the A at the at the Chili Bowl this year um alex bowman his seventh career win same amount of wins as ryan blaney in the cup series and um you know and there was a whole discussion about that because kyle bush got butthurt about um uh, bowman backdooring another win but in the end he won the first stage um or yeah he or yeah, he won the first stage, which um, I didn't know, actually, off the top. So there you go. That's that's why I'm such a great executive producer and host. I didn't even know that Alex Bowman won the first shit face that they had to probably carry him out of there. I think that would have been the same thing for Justin Marks. We'll see who is going to be lifting who. Uh, but maybe that will come here soon. Uh, Bowman, Larson, Chastain. Kyle Busch, William Byer, the top five. So three Hendrick cars in the top five. Eric Almirola continues to have a great start to what supposedly is his final season. Drew Blicken's also showing that he is a decent crew chief. Who knew? Um, Tyler Reddick continuing his decent start to the year. Uh, Martin Truex, Chase Elliott, uh, William Clyde Elliott, the second-hand pole sitter Christopher Bell who had issues at a point earlier in the race, but was able to come back and finish 10th. So that is, you know, pretty straightforward. I mean, you look at the top 10, uh, Bowman, I got a heat, you know, but it was a good call by him and Greg Ives, two tires track position in that spot to get that victory. The victory, of course, guarantees you into the playoff. It also basically gives you carte blanche to go and run um, going to experiment a little bit. And with this new car, I think, I mean, albeit limited practice and getting into this qualifying deal, like you have limited practice that goes right into a qualifying that kind of changes the game a little bit compared to what it was back in the day. But, uh, to you, Josh H in regards to the race on Sunday, Bowman seventh career win, um, in regards to, of course, outside of the two championship uh, teammates that he has, that's not a bad career, honestly. Um, there's a lot of people who want to hate on him, but I am saying I'll take seven career wins, and I'll, I'll take winning the way he's done and uh, having Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jimmy Johnson vouch for you. Uh, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, that That isn't bad at all, I would say. Uh, and And he's a good marketer of people. Who go and give him quotes to work with on, on his t-shirt for, for his t-shirt game as well. It's why Steve Kinser has like however many Knoxville Nationals <laughs> wins and Sammy only has one. Sammy led all them laps ahead of uh, there was a few years ago when he led like the first 50 laps on a 55 lap feature and caught a tire down and then I think shots went and came around and got that one and you know like it's the same kind of deal. I mean, the hate for Alex Bowman's funny because it comes from Joe Gibbs Racing and Joe Gibbs Racing is just full of whiners. And I say that even though Tony Stewart was one of them and people accuse him of being whiner and, you know, I get it. Um, The fundamental fact, though, is as Josh, you know, Josh H has said, you know, he nine wins for his guy. You know, everyone loves Dale Jr. in a 10-year run at, at, Hendrick Motorsports is not that great um, for all the marketing and all the money that's involved in Dale Jr. But um, Alex Bowman, who came from cars catching on fire and fat fucks falling over trying to put out those fires at New Hampshire to going and um, winning races in the 88-48 car. And last year, he took a step forward. People don't Everyone thinks about Larson and everything he did, and he was dominant, Um, but I think there was a lot involved in that domination too, not just his driving ability and all that, but it was convenient. Uh, But Alex Bowman quietly had the best year of his career, and why can't he go and take that next step? He's got two teammates that have won a championship, of course, one's the most popular driver, the uh, another one is the defending series champion just won a race a couple of weeks ago. Likely um, one of the more popular drivers in the sport for specific reasons. Um, most of his fan base came along after stupidity. But the reality is Bowman actually is got a personality. You know, Bowman is somewhat more real than the average Hendrick Motorsports driver. He has a lot more to give, and I think he's a lot hungrier than, um, you know, like even William Byron for for that matter. Um, He's not had the ability to have the success in lower formulas as Clyde has, as Kyle Larson has, or Byron, he knows that he's he's in a position where he has to perform um, more than those people because in the end, there isn't the backing, but I mean, granted, Nationwide Insurance backed him. Uh, I forget what other companies were there. And then now, of course, Ally is behind him. And I think that's part of what, you know, maybe he's looser. Maybe he's racing in a different way. Maybe he's able to be the driver he wants to be. And being methodical is what NASCAR is because it's 500 miles or 400 mile races. Yes, they put stages in for um, you know, TV purposes, but in the grand scheme of things, you don't have to be up there in a NASCAR. Race. It's the point is in a truck race, maybe in an Xfinity race, maybe in, you know, modified races or K and N races. Okay. In major motorsport, you're not supposed to be up there the whole time, unless your car is a rocket ship and you just destroy. Generally, you're just preparing to make sure your car is the best piece at the end of the day and and the combination of alex bowman and greg ives have kind of figured that out and the way cautions laid out there kyle bush had the lead with truex in second and um, chastain uh, had done a great job and i think i'd be remiss to not you know discuss that i think uh kyle bush i mean we talked about it i think i'm going to connect in regards to another topic we have up there Chastain has had an interesting career, come from running for Johnny Davis, running for very small outfits. He had a a run with Brad Keselowski a few years ago in trucks, but, you know, people don't really remember that. Uh, But now he's one of many guys who came out of that program and now is in a cup ride. Um, But people are like, oh, yeah, you know, he's just really... It took him, you know, driving that Xfinity car a few years ago for Ganassi, and something just switched with Ross Chastain. Everyone looked at Ross Chastain differently. And now, after last week, you have to really think about Ross Chastain and say, hey, this guy's got something. And um, Trackhouse, the last two weeks, has been a factor. Suarez was right there to possibly win a California Now Chastain leads the most laps at Las Vegas and had a great piece Um, going to Googs. I'm going to go to you first in regards to this with the next gen car. I think the, I mean, for certain teams they've hit on this car a little bit better here early, but it also speaks to just having that tighter knit group, greater ingenuity and a little greater hunger because there's RCR connections and all the RCR group in general. Uh, Across their multiple teams has been really good to start this year. And then, of course, Trackhouse, who has Hendrick help and some other help all over the place, they've done well. Um, You know, there's teams that were behind the eight ball last year that are a lot better this year. This, at least initially, uh, this car has done its job in the fact of kind of bringing things back together a little bit. And it's given some of these smaller teams a chance to actually perform. Uh, What were your thoughts on that in regards to, like, Trackhouse and, like, the RCR group across, like, their whole entire, like, sphere of teams and some of the other groups that are out there? Yeah, there's something about just having uh, that focus RCR has been out there saying. And I think that's a lot to do with Andy Petrie too with his leadership there at that organization, um, being a champion crew chief that he is, and all the experience that he had over his time, not only as a crew chief, but behind the wheel and being doing everything that he had to do. Um, that they made that commitment, and the Petty GMS group with Eric Jones has been fast. You know, they were fast at the clash, fast at the five hundred the West Coast swing kind of is an opportunity to take advantage of that momentum. Uh, we really won't see whatever changes that are about to be made until Atlanta here next week uh, and what some of these teams are able to respond with. Um, but I mean, um, for you, Josh, I mean, I, I that's the thing. I think Ross Chastain uh, going and having the most laps led there, had a bad pit stop there late under green and fell behind Kyle Busch and really couldn't make up any track position. But he had a car that could have won. It was him and Kyle Busch that were really the two best cars there for a good amount of that. the second part of their race. And you wouldn't have said that last year because Chastain, for a lot of the year, struggled uh, during that whole Gen 6 era. The end of the last year, that Gen 6, uh, struggled, and so did Kurt Busch. Um, with that same team, and now you're looking at two races in a row where one of those cars had a legitimate chance to win a race, which I mean maybe it's the car, maybe it's the drivers taking a step forward, maybe they who knows, but it's I think a positive sign that I would hope would be able to continue as the year goes on, even with the obvious development that will take place i mean it's nowhere near as much development as there might have been prior um, with all of the spec parts and kind of things that they have to get from suppliers, um, which might keep some of the status quo that we're seeing right now going there. Uh, what are your thoughts on that in regards to like um, some of the things we've seen so far with some of the smaller teams? It would be good to see that uh, instead of the status quo, which kind of leads into the next part uh, here, the next topic is that, you know, while Chastain led the most slaps, the vast majority of the top 10 looked a lot like what we've seen the last few years, couple of years, uh, which is two of the major teams, which is Hendrick and Gibbs. Now, of course, Hendrick last year won the race with Larson. Gibbs has had a great history. Uh, X there recently has won christopher bell won the pole and kyle larson's on the front row so it sounds like a freaking chili bull um but you know like you you think about the way that the the racing has been and then uh, those two cars were up there you look at some of these scenes i mean kyle bush came from tailback and got stage points you got bowman and Stark in the top 10 but won the first stage uh you have you know guys like William Byron was outside of the top 10 but ended up getting a lot of stage points. You have Chase Elliott scored a lot of stage points. The the whole the the reality is like on it it's it's a good contrast. It's like as much as we want to figure that the and there are things that say that some of these smaller teams are able to compete, it's also a a sign that these big teams are starting to figure it out and I feel like You know, after this West Coast swing, once we get to Atlanta and even like like Atlanta, Coda, these next uh, the first three weeks out back, you know, um, towards closer to the shops is going to be a key, um, I guess, uh, benchmark here, I guess, in the first like four to six races back. Um, because they're all different types of races. Atlanta is going to be run with a super speedway package. Coda is the first road course with uh, this new uh, new car. Um, you're, you're talking about uh, the um, after, as a go through that, you have then after uh, Coda, then you're going to go to Richmond, Martinsville, and the Brits- Bristol dirt race. So those are all short tracks. And then Talladega and Dover. So the run here, and they're going to keep on running uh, for a while. They're not going to have an off week until Father's Day, which is random. Uh, It always used to be Mother's Day, but then they started running Mother's Day, and they're going to be running at Darlington there. Um, I mean, the short track race will be on Easter Sunday, so that'll be uh, something. Uh, The Martinsville spring race will actually be 400 laps instead of 500 laps the first time that's been the case in a while, I figure. Um, So this next set of races after we get past Phoenix is going to be an interesting uh, way to go and see where people are at. Four, five, six, seven, eight. I figure eight, nine races before we get to the uh, Open, the All-Star race, and the All-Star Open is going to be – where we kind of see who's hit, who's going to be up there, and we'll be able to kind of figure out where things are at in general for the NASCAR Cup Series. But I guess to you, Josh, um, Hendrick and Gibbs being up there, it's uh, a status quo in a sense, but the results, I mean, the racing itself didn't really show that it was always up there. You didn't really kind of have that feeling. It shows that the car might have made it a little better, but maybe these teams are kind of getting to where they're figuring this car out. And I think that's part of the whole development thing. And I think to uh, to you, Josh H., in regards to development and the whole technical side, all the engineering that's involved in this sport, yes, you have Gibbs and Hendrick. They're two of the most uh, in regards to the talent that they have and the amount of Engineering support they have, they're they're ahead of the curve relative to a lot of the other teams. Uh, uh, you know there are Ford teams like Stuart Haas Penske that can compete, but in the grand scheme of things, are we? Is this kind of like a precursor to what we've seen over recent years? It was quietly there. The results kind of showed that, or. Are we still in that phase where because of all the specs, because of kind of what you mentioned earlier with some of the smaller teams in IndyCar able to compete against the big, big dogs, as long as your team and your driver have the ability and the setup, you can compete against the big dogs or is that turn kind of taking place here? Um, very early in this cup season yeah i mean it's definitely early uh it's hard to say i i found it interesting that you know once i looked at the results how it was so hendrick and gibbs centric relative to what it has been for the last couple of years but in the grand scheme the racing didn't seem that way uh mainly it's probably because they only focus on the leaders but um there are a lot of cars that were up there i mean in qualifying you had you had gumby up there with with briscoe so you had young guns and fords that were up there you had cars you had people that came from the back to the front cars are at the front went the other way so it got the comers and goers there mike so you know you had all that so it's that's what you want in racing you don't want to have the people that run up front I mean, Formula One is different, of course, but you don't want to have the people that run up front stay up front. Um, but in, uh, in the case of this race at Vegas and, and it, the last couple of races relative to like a, not just Gluck's pole, but the racing at those tracks relative to what we've had over time has been a better product with this car. Now, what will we see in the fall under the lights? in a playoff race to be determined in Las Vegas, um, after they've had one race of, uh, data plus they'll have a practice and all that, but it's pleasant. It's a pleasant thing. It's a good thing to have, um, relative to what we have had, uh, you know, in regards to the racing product over recent years. Um, Going over to the Xfinity and truck side, uh, they also are at uh, Las Vegas this past weekend. Um, Keebler Gibbs goes and get an, gets another win uh, at, uh, at gets another, his first win of the year, uh, first win at Las Vegas, locks himself into the Xfinity playoff. It's not like it was really that surprising that he was going to win anyways. I mean, his grandfather praised enough Hail Marys to make it happen. Uh, Gibbs led six laps. I mean, he was up there all day, but uh, took uh, advantage late in the race to go and get his first victory of 2022. Noah Gagson finished second. Daniel Hemrick finished third. Josh Berry fourth. Justin Allgaier fifth. So three. JRM cars in the top five. Landing Castle, sixth. Sheldon Creed, seventh. Brent Moffat, eighth. Uh, AJ Allmendinger, ninth, who started on the pole. And Brandon Jones, Bruckshot Jones, finished 10th. Jeremy Clements, uh, shout out to him for uh, 11th. John Hunter and the Sam Hunt team, 12th. Ryan Ellis driving for um Alpha Prime, and the Four Loco car. So there's a lot of people that are probably rooting for that car. Um, finished uh, 13th, so that's probably one of his best finishes of his whole entire career. Um, finished at a Riley Herbst, his last car in the lead lap, Riley Herbst. So, I mean, uh, it's similar in that JRM and, uh, what do you call, colleagues stood out um, in regards to their Kind of pace and dominance, but in the end, a Gibbs Toyota shows up and gets a victory. I mean, Ty Gibbs. I think more people would focus on um, the fact he got an Orion Sieg, used him up, and Brian uh, Sieg tried to go and get revenge and failed. Um, I guess Joe Graf Jr. on top of being a terrible driver also failed inspection because he's all the way at the bottom of the um, results there. It looks, I'm trying to see, yeah, lost. it yeah. doesn't say anything about Joe Graff Jr. failing inspection or anything like that, but he's in 38th with 194 laps uh, completed, so must have gotten DQ'd. Um, on top of taking a car that had won the week before with uh, Cole Custer and, getting it damaged, and sucking at life. He's an embarrassment to people from New Jersey and an embarrassment to NASCAR drivers in general. Um, but that's beside the point. Bobby Dodder needs the money. Uh, yeah, Keebler, Gibbs wins. Uh, Josh H., uh, it didn't really – I don't really care for that garbage, but, you know. It is what it is. He's going to take over Martin Truex's car next year, and um, it'll be a sad state of affairs. We'll just have a four-foot-tall whiner instead of a a five-foot, whatever, average size whiner in a Joe Gibbs racing car here soon enough uh, in the Cup Series. But uh, Ty Gibbs gets another victory. But he's a robot, so he doesn't have a personality. (laughs) It also doesn't help. Yeah, there's, I mean, you, you look at... Nick Sanchez is making his debut for BJ McLeod this weekend, and um, I'm forgetting his teammate um, Roger. Karuth. Oh, there you go, Roger Caruth. I just remembered. Um, he's running for Alpha Prime. Uh, I was thinking about this the whole weekend with Jesse Uji and his garbage, uh, as uh, Josh was talking about. You know, you could go and put Roger Carruth in that car, and you could get the same PR. And you could have somebody who can actually drive a hot nail through snow. You could put virtually anybody in Stuart Haas-supported equipment that actually has a clue um, and at least run decent. When you put Cole Custer in a car and he's able to win and he's not exactly the greatest driver ever. And then the next week you put Joe Graff Jr. in that car and that car can't even barely qualify in the top 20 and he's hitting everything but the lottery. Tells you a lot. Um, the x truck series has kind of devolved. I mean, the truck series, I don't know how it's still alive in a lot of ways. I think basically it's Kyle Busch that keeps it alive and Thor sport, um, to semblance with Toyota, but then Toyota is part of the reason why it's dying, but then that's Toyota's history in motorsports. Um, you know, the, the truck series doesn't have a lot of, um, variety. You have a lot of drivers in there, a lot of people with money that aren't that talented, um, that really shouldn't be there. And then you have these teams that are that are just like cellar dwellers um, that are just so far off the pace. And then Xfinity is the, the A of NASCAR. And you have these drivers and some of these teams that are just so fucking awful. And they could really determine a championship. You know, like Baccarella... Got in, I forget who it was he got into. I think it was All Guy or somebody a couple of years ago at Phoenix in like his first Xfinity race. I mean, there's a reason why Baccarella only runs super speedways now. That's the only place where he knows he can be competitive. He's like Michael Waltrip. He already knows that he's just there, just go and run super speedways, get the hell out of the way otherwise. You know, Wooji knows how to get sponsors. He fought for our country, so God bless him and God bless everyone that does. That to go d- goes and protect our country, especially with all the crap that's going on right now. Um, but the reality of the world is, dude, you can't drive a freaking race car. Um, I mean, you're you're just trash. <laughs> you're you're just drizzling shits. I don't get. I mean, Emmett Smith ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer. He was a running back. He went to University of Florida. No offense, Josh, but the fact of the matter is, back in '88, I'm pretty sure that. Um, You know, the things that he had to do, he probably had to pass TV or something, Um, making a blue chips reference there. Um, But, you know, knowing how I've heard him speak live when I went to that Super Bowl years ago and not not only has the the what is it? The CTE kicked in, um, whatever English ability that he might have had when he was a rookie has probably started to deteriorate, too. Um, he ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer, so I guess he has a lot of money, um, that he's willing to waste a couple of million dollars on a nowhere program. I mean, I'm waiting for when the points switch, um, after Phoenix, uh, for four races and Jesse Uji just starts DNQing like MWR every single week, uh, I bet you that will expedite uh, the driver situation. And then when Joe Graff Jr. fails to qualify for more race. Well, the problem is he's going to be locked in. That's that's the issue. He's going to be locked in into end every race now because they've won a race this year uh, yeah. as long as he's in the 07 car the rest of the year. So that sucks. Um that would have been interesting if he had to go. It would have been like the whole Kevin Conway. He's basically Kevin Conwaying his way into every race the rest of the year um now because uh cold cust- cold custard got him in. But uh we'll see. Uh there are other ones like those two. They're gonna try to make some races uh here as the season goes on. Uh, Natalie Decker, Jeffrey Earnhardt, the like that are just kind of like out of out the lunch uh speaking of uh out to lunch we'll get to the truck series uh Chandler Smith uh did what John Hunter Nemechek did to his owner last year goes and beats Kyle Busch and wins at Las Vegas so Chandler Smith all of a sudden there late in the year last year kind of figured it out Won a couple of races in the playoff. Now he's got his third career win. Beats Kyle Busch. Puts himself firmly in the battle for this championship. Frees in third while his uh, second truck with the onion brought out at least two cautions, I think. And, uh, or three cautions or something like that. Uh, Brian Priest driving for DGR finished fourth. Tanner Gray, DGR finished fifth. Um, uh, Nutbag, Roid Rage 2.0, finished sixth. Matt Crafton, seventh. Brett Holmes actually started basically near the tail, nearly tailback, and finished eighth. Uh, Another maggot moron uh, who hates Bubba Wallace uh, is finished ninth. Ty Majewski, who ended up hooking the stage one and stage two winner. His teammate, the defending series champion, finished 10th. Um, I guess to Googs first, I mean, Chandler Smith's a guy who was in ARCA, uh, stood out there, uh, took over for Christian Eckes, who was the last winner at Las Vegas here um, in the September, uh, but this chandler smith starting to figuring it out uh in the truck series he showed he showed his might in the arca series and he was able to do it on short tracks and also on bigger tracks too but to go and beat kyle bush i mean uh albeit in his own similar equipment but to be kyle bush uh after kyle bush went and that that there's there is one thing i'll say before i go to you josh goobs there that kirk went and said how how he got owned by john hunter uh on that one restart or like there's something he said how he got owned and and the only person in the world I could get away with saying something like that to Kyle is his older brother because it's like, wow, I can't believe he said that, but it's, I'm like, it's because it's Kurt. Cause he's been waiting to do. He just like, he, he, Kurt is that kind of guy, you know, they're just both of them. You know, they just want to needle you. They're, they're, they're the guys. They just want to stick that needle right into you for Kurt. You know, now he's looser in life. He's got the hot wife. He's, he's kind of now Jordan brand, someone to wear Air Jordan AJ1s. And I'm like, he's just chilling. Now he's on the truck series broadcast. But I kind of got joy out of the fact that he, he made Kyle squirm in the truck while he's trying to race his team. But Chandler Smith goes out there and gets that W uh, at Las Vegas. There are Googs. What are your thoughts on that uh, this past week? Kyle, who's won... 50-plus truck races and over 100 Xfinity races in his career. And, of course, as I said before, is probably one of the only reasons why the Truck Series still exists. Uh, To go and beat your boss uh, does mean a lot. Um, uh, Josh H., I mean, in regards to what we saw uh, on uh, Friday night, you know, Rhodes, I'll transition in regards to that. Zane Smith, who won... At Daytona, in the his debut for uh, the uh, DGR slash Front Row Motorsports outfit, uh, trying to go and exorcise the demons of finishing second the first two years of his career. Finished second in this race. Had some damage earlier in the race with a uh, restart crash there with Colby Howard and all that. Uh, but got back up there. Got penalized for lugs. Um, they held up that uh, that uh, uh, disqualification. So they disqualified Joe Graff. Nobody's saying anything. But because it's Joe Graff, nobody gives a crap. In this case, you're talking about the guy that won Daytona is going to be in the playoffs, and you literally go from the highest to the high to the lowest of the low. And their justification is like they got all their lugs from the same spot, how certain lugs are not in, you know, able to be – I guess, you know, uh, legal, but then other ones are doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. They weren't trying to get an advantage because in the end, I don't think it's a speed advantage per se. I guess it's a speed advantage on pit road. But even in that sense, if the lugs aren't setting the right way, it would make a vibration. So I don't know. I I mean, we're not in those rooms where they make these decisions. I would honestly love to say what or how they determined that that's a disqualification because they're saying that they're machining the lugs or something like that to make them, I don't know, I guess a little smoother or something like that. Like, I'd just love to know that. But um, Ben Rhodes won the first two stages with an unsponsored truck and then um, got hooked by Ty Majeski in the third stage, which probably made a very interesting meeting in Sandusky, Ohio, at the ThorSport Sport um, offices there. Uh, on Monday morning during the uh, Monday morning debrief. Yeah, I mean, Zane Smith is right now 12th in points after the disqualification, but of course he's locked in to the playoff even with the loss of all those points. So basically it was akin he only raced Daytona because he only got one point at uh, Las Vegas. So he has the uh, playoff points from the Daytona uh, doesn't have anything from Las Vegas there, but he's still all right. Uh, he's going to make the playoffs. It's no big deal, uh, but it is kind of a rough way to go. And uh, His teammate Tanner Gray, I mean corporate teammate Tanner Gray, is second in points right now. Uh, Chandler Smith, of course, takes the points lead. He would have been second to, to Zane Smith there, so Zane Smith and Chandler Smith would have been the two. Uh, Top two in the points. Yeah, roads even with the the rough the uh, situation with his teammate Ty Majeski is fourth behind Ty Majewski. Um uh, Dumbass number one is six. Dumbass twenty two is eighth. So those. So right now, I mean, you you look at where it is. I mean, it's only two races in. They'll be racing at Atlanta in a couple of weeks. So the truck series, of course, is a little more staggered because they only have like 23 races. So their series is a little more staggered. But, um, you know, thinking about that disqualification, all that. Uh, and then Rhodes, of course, that that whole situation, I would love, I would have loved to have been a fly in the room in that um, outdoor sport to try to see how that whole deal went along. Um, I mean, Ty Majeski's are great super late model racer and, um, ton of talent, similar to Josh Berry. And he's won a lot of big races, but his career in the upper echelons of NASCAR has been rough. Uh, he drove, he was part of the three pronged attack in the 60 car with Roush a few years ago, which was basically a destruction of sheet metal, uh, between himself, Gumby and, uh, um, Chase Briscoe where they just destroyed a ton of equipment and then he was part of Nice Motorsports he took over as a full-time driver the 45 from Ross Chastain and I always the one race I remember was like Pocono and he had one of the fastest trucks there and he tried to go and cut across um, somebody on the front stretch going into turn one and hooked himself right into the fence and he's running in the top five. I'm like, well, that's a microcosm of his entire year. And I think he got fired like two weeks later, three weeks later from that ride, um, which was pretty insane. Um, and then nice motorsports of course has kind of been on a downward trajectory anyway. Um, since Ross Chastain's like, uh, standout season a few years ago. Um, but that's beside the point. Um, JB, uh, I want to thank you for coming on tonight uh, because we're getting in the roundup and stuff. So thank you for coming on, giving us your time. Always welcome here on the GSP uh, when there's any big news or any big races going on, anything you want to promote from Mount Lawn and um, any racing or things, that any thoughts you have. We're always open to have you on. I'm glad you're able to come on here tonight. Well, yeah, I mean it's going back to the days of uh, Dan Smith and all that, right? You know, when we were going and doing all, all them shows and yeah, all the all the different gimmicks we had going on. Probably uh, going even to what is it? Um, I'm trying to remember her name, um, Candace Smith. You know, with her podcast that she had going on, she gave she gave up to um, to talking and. Not talking in circles or there's, there's like I forget what they call it, but um her podcast. I think there might have been a little involvement there, but uh obviously doors always open, man. Uh, I've always stayed as friends, so give my best to your mom and your family and uh figured out racing's gonna be starting here soon. So you're gonna be busy. So uh guess whenever you have whenever you have a chance, hit us up. If you have anything you wanna promote. Uh where can we follow you? Um, on social media and some of the other social media or the places we should see where your work appears. It's all good, it's short and simple. So uh, we find you on Josh Bolden eighty one. Uh, dude is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's very few people that can compete with the with me in regards to the kind of like motorsports knowledge. But JB. Uh, and I have had great conversations, random conversations, uh, over time about racing. And, uh, this man is a wealth of knowledge and a passionate fan and a great writer too. So, Hey, you get, you get everything there. You get a all in one package and, uh, somebody that, you know, probably should be, uh, covering like world outlaws or something like that. Cause, uh, that's where, It all started with uh, the King of the Outlaws. So we'll see about that. Thanks a lot, brother. Getting to the GSP Roundup here, uh, starting off with Formula One. They're going to be at Bahrain testing. But the news has uh, came out before that uh, today on Wednesday where Kevin Magnuson returns to race in Formula One with Haas after... uh, Leaving in 2020, and along with his teammate Roman Grosjean, who of course his exit was a little more dramatic. Um, now he's uh, comfortably in IndyCar. Kevin Magnussen went to sports car with Genassi and the Cadillac program that is now the factory Cadillac program, and ran last year in the IMSA uh, series with Renger van der Zande. And then kind of part, went and uh, uh, dovetailed that into getting a Peugeot being the main driver, one of the main drivers in the Peugeot H uh, program. And uh, he was going to be a part of that, which was supposed to start here at the Sebring 1000 kilometers event here next week. But Cujo is not going to come around until after the Le Mans 24 Hours. And um, he was running part-time for Ganassi in the second car um, as a third driver. But in the end, he was always angling, I guess, to get back to Formula One. And because of Egghead and uh, the stupidity of what uh, Egghead's uh, daddy, Vladdy, is doing um that's uh, he'll be back in Formula One, uh, driving as a teammate to Mick Schumacher here in 2022. So before I go and give my thoughts on uh, Egghead and his exit and the way things are going there and probably what we're going to see. Um, Josh, what are your thoughts on uh, Kevin Magnuson returning to Formula One after a year away from the sport? He's, he's had that happen before. He was with McLaren, had to take time away, um, and then came back. Well, he's going to do it again. But this time, uh, he'll only have one test at uh, Bahrain. And then next week, he'll be driving in a Formula One car again with a multi-year contract, no less. Yeah, familiarity and experience is probably what it is. There's a video they showed earlier today which showed how happy everybody was to see him back. Um, His father, uh, Jan, uh, had a career with uh, McLaren and then Stewart F1 and kind of uh, was run out of the, run out of F1 and then made this great sports car career. And, uh, you know, um, when it comes to Kevin, he has been in McLaren just like his dad. Um, Kind of was run out of McLaren and then had to wait, came back to Haas, ran a few years at Haas. But of course, this team is not a great team, but they like him and he's a good kid and he drives well. Um, You mentioned his IndyCar uh, situation. He got to run for what is now the McLaren team What was Schmidt-Peterson, McLaren, whatever. Uh, And now he's... uh, He's run sports cars too, just like his dad, and prototypes, and he's been able to make it work to come back. Um, it is at the expense, of course, of um, Egghead and his father, who are um, who he's an oligarch um, and is a sympathizer and close uh, friend or whatever the hell you want to call it of uh, Putin, um, based on the sanctions that. Formula One is put down and FIA um, made it untenable for Haas to keep the Mazepins in, involved in regards to their team. Um, you add the fact that Egghead was the worst driver in Formula One last year, and he is generally not a good person, along with the fact that his his daddy, uh, Vladdy, um, is a scumbag too. So you put all those things together. And now he's trying to go and do a "Woe is Me" campaign and crying wolf and trying to take a page out of the We Race's one portfolio and using his illegal, you know, generally illegal money uh, that funds Vladdy's bullshit to go and make a new program. At the end of the day, you were the worst driver in Formula in last year. Um, there was 20 drivers in Formula One. You finished 21st in points. Um, I mean, you're 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 a fucking tool. You have an egghead. You're you've abused. You're you're a sexual deviant. You've abused women. You've assaulted other race car drivers. At the end of the day, I don't have any sympathy for you. Your dad's the only reason why you had a career um, and you had a chance to be in Formula One, and you sucked. And you're now, your dad can't even fund it because he doesn't have any money or he's losing money because a ruble is becoming rubble. And um, he's a scumbag because he's a sympathizer for a dictator, evil dictator. So nobody gives a fuck, Mazepin. Um, go and eat a bag of dicks and um, learn how to drive a race car. And then maybe um, we might see you. Uh, driving in a NASCAR truck or something eventually, or, uh, probably hanging out with Paul Tracy. Cause you seem like, he seems like the kind of guy that Paul Tracy would hang out with. Um, but yeah, I mean, with formula one, they'll be testing in Bahrain for three days, uh, and then getting towards the racing here, uh, this, uh, next week in, um, in bahrain for the first race of the year and then they'll be going to um saudi immediately for the uh, the shitty uh Jetta circuit um what goes on with that um and how everything goes with that in general um that'll be coming up in a few days time in regards to uh the MotoGP, Iran, uh ran at qatar to start the year, Anea Bestaini won his first race uh, of his career. So that was a big deal. He's on an older bike, no less older Ducati. Beats Brad Binder for KTM and Pol Spargro on a Honda. Alicia Spargro finished fourth and Mark Marquez fifth. So Honda's had two of the top five and uh, Aprilia got one in the top. Five as well The Suzuki's Of Joanne Meir And Alex Rin Six and seven Johan Zarco Eighth Defending world champion Fabio Quattararo Finished ninth And Taka Nakagami Finished tenth In regards to points I mean the two uh, Secondary Yamahas Davizioso and Binder Scored points But in regards to people That didn't uh, Jorge Martín DNF uh, Preko Bagnayo's Who's a championship Uh Favorite along with uh probably Mark Marquez and um, trying to go through some of these other people. Quatuaro's lacking speed, those are a couple other people you think about uh struggled, fell out, Miguel Oliveira fell out, so and Jack Miller, those two factory Ducati riders, uh didn't get past lap eleven. So That's a big blight here as they go towards uh, the Indonesian Grand Prix here uh, next week. In regards to... I'm trying to see if there's anybody on this leaderboard that is worth anything. Uh, No. Uh, A guy's name is Sergio Garcia, and he's on a gas gas. Uh, That's convenient. Um, The Moto2 results... At uh, Qatar saw Celestino, Vietti, Aramis uh, win over Aaron Kanett and Sam Lowe's. Uh, Joe Roberts finished eighth and Cameron Bobier finished ninth. So the Americans ended up uh, scoring decent points. So that's something we'll go and look at as the season goes by and how that continues to evolve. Uh, Supercars were at Sydney Motorsports Park uh past week. In race one, we saw Shane Van Gisbergen, the defending series champion, win over Anton Di Pasquale for uh, Dick Johnson Racing and Chaz Mostert for Andretti. Walk United. Will Davison for Dick Johnson finished fourth. Brody Kostecki for Erebus. Uh, Nick Percat in the I'm trying to remember what team the United Andretti United team uh, finished sixth. Will Brown for the Erebus team, Tim Slade, Brock Feeney, James Courtney in race one. In race two, Chaz Mostert wins over Brody Gusecki and Anton Di Pasquale, Cameron Waters for Tickford, Andre Heimgartner uh, finished fifth. You know, David Reynolds finished ninth. So there's that in regards to sydney motorsports park and their um their race the first race of the v8 supercar season last week and get into and on that formula three formula two um they had testing there um trying to get the news from formula two um, terminates Jurkolali Ural, Ural Kali sponsorship. So that was um that's good. Uh, Felipe K. Felipe Drogovic. Uh, and getting to that Deruvula, JN Deruvula led the first day of testing, Liam Lawson second day and Felipe Felipe Drogovic the final day of testing from the Last week at Bahrain. Um, So diverse group of drivers that have led in Formula 2 prior to um, getting us to the 2022 season. Trying to get into um, Ustina Formula 3. Hot jar for the Red Bull. Trying to get into that. Isaac Hadgar, is as quick quickest on second day of Formula 3 preseason season testing. Uh I'm not bringing up any details. Uh, so that's what that is all about. And that's uh okay. So Formula 2, Formula 3 yeah, since I've kind of been lost in all of that, I'm going to get into the announcements for SRX um uh dave blaney and uh brian blaney will be racing at dave sharon speedway here uh, later this summer so that's gonna be pretty cool trying to get into the full-time drivers for we'll have mostly nascar drivers it'll be one two three four five nascar guys and then three indycar guys it'll be um dumb fuck paul tracy smoke the defending uh, champion of the series mw 55 bobby labani ryan hunter ray no neck greg biffle and marco andretti are going to be the full-time drivers then part-time drivers um it says one two three four five so tony canaan's going to run five out of the six races uh, it looks like Matt is going to run three races, both of the dirt ones. Then Ryan Blaney, of course, is going to be at Sharon Speedway, which is a family track. is going to run three races, uh, South Boston Stafford and National Fairgrounds. Uh, Ernie Francis Jr., who's running Indy Lights this year for Force Indy, will be running at Five Flags in South Boston. And then uh, Haley Deegan will be running its staff for 955. I didn't know that Joseph Newgarden was going to be a guest at Nashville Fairgrounds, but that's a stacked field. You're talking about, you know, Kanan, uh, Matt Kenseth, Elio Castro-Neves, along with Joseph Newgarden. Uh, that's four drivers right there, along with the eight that will be at uh, Nashville with the regulars. So that'll be something for sure. Um, last two races, series gonna be on dirt, so that's something we will see uh, and how that all uh, works out. I don't think there's a, I don't really know. These. The, whoever wins at Five Flags Speedway here in a month's time, the Best Iron of the Pepperjack Kennels twins on the eighth and ninth at Five Flags will end up making uh, their SRX debut on June 18th. Um be fun to see uh, how the SRX develops here in the second year um and what kind of product we get at a lot of these racetracks. Uh I wanted to go and get into the picks, but I guess we could go and also briefly mention Josh about the football news. A. Aaron's back. He's gonna be a Green Bay Packer for a while, means Jordan Love is yeah, and, and Jordan Love is not going to be there. He's probably going to get traded to some other team. Um, Russell Wilson got traded for a bunch of picks and players of some semblance, uh, which is a huge move, too. It kind of shook the NFL at its core, of these two deals. And it, you think about what it means with Russell Wilson moving out of the NFC West um, giving the Niners a break finally after all these years, plus um, Bobby Wagner being released from the Seattle Seahawks basically ends the the Legion of Boom for all intents and purposes. So though that's those are two big moves. And then, of course, Carson Wentz got traded to the Washington Generals for a couple of third-round picks. So it's two years in a row that a guy who was the number two overall pick in the draft who was a likely MVP contender, albeit it was like five years ago, has now been traded twice in two years, and time's running out on him. So, I guess over the microcosm, of what everything happened with these three quarterbacks, and even thinking about Jimmy G and what his options are now with everything that's gone on. Uh, what are your thoughts, Josh, in regards or what do you see or what do you feel about what you heard uh, this past week and what you may think is going to happen here post-Combine uh, and all that relative, we're getting in a free agency here in a week. Yeah, it's uh, the most fair weather fan base and then all the filtered noise that they had to do in that stadium and now they don't have a quarterback, they don't have a defense. Um, I kind, I kind of can't. Wipe the smile off my face when it comes to watching the Seattle Seahawks implode after all the pain they inflicted on the Niners over the years with all the bullshit they did and officiating help they got, and some of these players, and the possibility of, you know, Bobby Wagner possibly coming to the 49ers kind of makes me uh, happy because him, Fred Warner, and, um, you know, Dre Greenlaw and Al Shazir, and you know, that could be a great linebacker quartet um, that could help the Niners get over the top. Uh, I mean, Jimmy G now with the the Carson Wentz trade, it's basically um, he's either going to go to Indianapolis or Pittsburgh. Um, Green Bay, of course, has made their decision with Aeron. They'll deal with the drama, deal with the bullshit. Um, Devontae Adams got franchised, so... That combination will stay together. And there's other players, other things. I know you said Cam Robinson got franchised, so that is questionable, but it is Trent Baalke. Um, reality, like you're talking about uh, uh, Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau best two best defensive um, ends or defensive linemen in the draft. Uh, there's one great safety that's out there, but you're not going to draft the safety number one overall. Um, there's tackles, Evan Neal, there's, when it comes to, um, certain mock drafts, they're talking about Evan Neal, the tackle out of Alabama, which at the end of the day, when you're thinking about Trevor Lawrence protecting him, that might be the pick. Of course, Jacksonville, who knows, maybe something comes along where some quarterback goes and takes off and then, um, Jacksonville is able to get a bounty of picks. Um, that might come along here during these pro days. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. I mean, New Orleans is also in play for Jimmy G, so the Niners are going to get a trade whether they get the kind of value that they really expect to be determined, Uh, just looking for them to get a good value for what Jimmy G uh, did to get the Niners back to being relevant again. Uh, So no matter his limitations, his time with the Niners was fruitful got us to the Super Bowl fucked up in that game and since that time the narrative and what uh, a lot of fans thought about him kind of changed and now it's Trey Lance's time you got all these other young players there time to get that value back uh you have three teams that are likely um contending teams two in the AFC that if they had a quarterback of his caliber, second tier caliber, they can make the playoffs, um, would be a get yeah, for them. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Wentz going to the commander generals, whatever the hell you want to call them, is typical. Uh, Washington uh, giving up that capital and then going and giving up for a guy, and you're going to have to pay $28 million, and he is not really that good. Uh, It's whatever, but it is the NFC East, so it's possible in my work. So we'll see what him and Riverboat Ron and company can do there. Uh, Russell Wilson, of course, getting traded for a shit ton of picks and three players that are generally irrelevant. Um, Seattle's, of course, as Josh said, rebuild mode. Denver's all in, trying to win a Super Bowl. It looks like Von Miller's going to come back. So Denver is trying to... uh, bring it back again uh, for a second time since with Elway as the guy running the regime and whoever else after that, finding a quarterback has not been very uh, successful. So they're looking for the veteran presence and they'll take a white bread uh, douche and uh, Russell Wilson. Um, And it also means that the 12s will just be 12 um, because they stole that from Texas a anyway, that wasn't an original bit. So they don't have anything original. They're just like Pepsi or certain other entities that couldn't come up with an original idea. So fuck the Seahawks. Um, getting into the Cup and Xfinity series here at Phoenix uh, this coming weekend. Uh, we'll go Xfinity first. 42 drivers for... Uh, 38 spots at the United Rentals 200 in Phoenix. Nick Sanchez, as I mentioned, will be making his uh, Xfinity or trying to make his Xfinity debut at Phoenix. The uh, Joe Graff in uh, the 07-08 car will be David Starr. They failed to qualify last week with uh, Stan Mullis, who failed to qualify last week. Um trying to get through some of the other few. Trevor Bain will be back in the 18 car. Kyle Sieg, Loris Hensemans, who's going to be making cup uh, efforts here later in the year. Awuji, uh, Earn, Jeffrey Earnhardt will be in the 35 Emerlin Gase car. Uh, Parker Retzlaff will be in the 38 for RSS. Ryan Ellis will be driving to 44 with Keen Parts on there. Uh, Kaz Gralla. Driving the 45, I'm trying to get through some of these other people. You got Josh Williams and just had a rough start to the year. So let's uh, start here in regards to picks. Um, makes me nauseous to do this, but I'm going to pick Ty Gibbs because uh, Phoenix is a very Gibbs-centric track, and they've doesn't really matter who they've had. shots won a few times there, so. Um, mm. I'm picking Ty Gibbs to win Uh, in regards to a wild card scenario there. I'm going to go and choose. I'm going to choose Landon Castle. Uh, He hasn't won a race in a long, long time. If he wins, I think it's going to be a huge celebration. A lot of oat milk being sprayed around or almond milk or soy milk or whatever the hell he drinks. Uh, It'll be a big deal if uh, uh, Lanny Castle could win. So those are my choices. I think tie for the win, but the wild card is uh, Lanny Castle. How about you, Josh? Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, it's a little more straightforward. It's a short track. There isn't going to be as much deviation uh, in regards to who's up there. That's the first smaller track that they've... Uh, Been at, they had, you know, bigger, they've been at bigger tracks to start the year. So we'll see what happens. First, theoretical, like shorter track uh, under one and a half miles that they've run this season and who makes it through, who makes it through in the qualifying and who makes it out of practice without destroying their car. So that will be another one there for sure. Uh, The Cup Series event only has the 36 chartered. Cars. Um, no, nobody else. The only chain major change is that uh AJ Almeninger will be running the 16 car this week instead of Daniel Hemrick. Um was it Garrett Smithley's back in the fifteen? Uh Balicki will be in the 77. Um, kind of looking around if there's anything else. I mean, Todd Gillen. Uh, has issues with the crew chief and all that, with all the suspensions and stuff with the lugs. But um, trying to see if there's anything else that's kind of different, but not really. Uh, it's a regular field there. Uh, so I'll throw to you first, Josh, in regards to who you're looking at uh, as a winner um, and uh, wildcard dark horse pick for this weekend's race, uh, Ruoff. Mortgage 500 at Phoenix. I'd take that um, after last week, starting fourth and getting destroyed early in the day and uh, going across Nacho Libre's nose and destroying his car and Nacho Libre's and then being out of it. Be nice to have a little bit of luck, uh, go and kind of close out a race. Uh, Going into this race at Phoenix. I'm going to choose. I'm gonna choose uh, Clyde. I'll pick Clyde as uh, the winner here at Phoenix this weekend. And my dark horse is right behind him is Eric Almirola. Uh, Almirola's been good at Phoenix over time in his career. Him and Blixenzerfer have gone off to a nice fast start. He won at New Hampshire last year. Uh, it's kind of a track that suits his style. I think it would be an opportunity for Almirola to kind of go and sneak what it, give us off the to go and relax and at the same time kind of R&D for the playoff, which is supposed to be his last um, season here in the Cup Series. So we are done with all of that. Uh, let us get to your sim segment there, Josh, uh, what's going on in the world of racing and other gaming and uh, other mm-hmm. important info. Yeah, you can follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Philip G. Matthew. Uh, you can follow the Grip Podcast at Grip Strip Pod, capital G, capital S, capital P on Twitter. Um we're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, um, iHeart Radio, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, we are you know, basically anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find a Griffith podcast. Uh, we're going to do my best to upload this here before the end of the week, so that's a little more relevant. Um, we're getting close to a lot of racing going on here uh, to start next week on – Gripshire podcast. So I mean, it'll be interesting uh, talking about what we saw at Phoenix this week, but then what will be coming along next weekend? Uh, you'll have the NASCAR triple header at Atlanta, the newly reconfigured Atlanta Motor Speedway, the WEC and IMSA racing at Sebring, the Bahrain Grand Prix for Formula One will be taking place. MotoGP, Moto Two will be in Indonesia. And, um, of course, IndyCar will be at Texas as well. So all Formula, whatever, one, two, three, 2, 3, MotoGP, Moto2, Moto3 in, in Indonesia. So there will be a very busy uh, week of racing here this coming week on the Grifter Podcast. So we thank you for listening to Grifter Podcast. We thank uh, Josh Googs Bolden for his appearance Uh, Thank Josh uh, H., my co-host, as always, for uh, doing his part to carry uh, the load at times and carry for me, too. So thankful for that and for everything here on the Griffith Podcast. We thank you for listening. Um, Let us know. Give us a like. Download the whole bit. Promote it uh, or go and share it so that we can go and get more listeners and followers. And maybe we'll go and upgrade this thing. But until then, we thank you, take care, God bless, and goodbye.